Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And I trust that something you hear in this next hour may just open you to the infinite possibilities of you. Yes, I said you. Imagine, what if there were a guidebook to assist you in discovering your true strengths and authentic path. Imagine there was a resource that would help you find and restore what really matters. And what if it could affirm your purpose? Our guest today shows us how to inhabit each moment of life and feel deeply, even in the presence of fear and pain. He says, living with an open heart, even when we are broken, is important, not just to stay alive, but to also stay in our aliveness. I love that. How about you? In order to fully live the one life we are given, we must affirm how precious this life is and open ourselves to loving whatever is put before us. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, Open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. Mark Nepo moved and inspired readers and seekers all over the world with his number one New York Times best-selling book, The Book of Awakening. It was one of my favorites. Beloved as a poet, teacher, and storyteller, Mark has been called one of the finest spiritual guides of our time a consummate storyteller, and an eloquent spiritual teacher. Recent works include The One Life We're Given, Finding the Wisdom That Waits in Your Heart, and Inside the Miracle, selected by Spirituality and Health magazine as one of the top 10 best books of 2015. And coming out in just one short week, Mark will have a new book of poetry published, The Way Under the Way, the place of true meeting coming from Sounds True. And there is so much more that I can't wait to introduce to you about Mark. But for right now, I just want to say welcome, welcome, Mark. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Oh, thank you. I Like I mentioned to you before the show here, I'm honored to have you. I've, I've been in the audience listening to you many times. I've read your books and that eloquent teaching part of you just really resonates with me. So I'm really, really, really happy to have you here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, you know, we have a tradition here on the show, Mark, and I um, would be remiss if I didn't start there. I like to set our conversation into a larger perspective, and it's important to me. So I'm going to ask you and start here. If you could share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you? Well, all things connected uh, is speaks to me about the the living, shimmering fabric of the universe. Mm. You know, everything is connected, and uh, it's through relationship that we discover how. Mm. 
And all the different traditions speak about in different ways about this oneness, this wholeness. And, and this is where I think that living with a whole heart. And, and let's also be clear as we begin that uh, for me, I, I am humbled and believe deeply in uh, the divine nature of our full humanity. The heaven is right here on earth. And we fall in and out of being wholehearted and half-hearted and sensitive and insensitive and clear and confused. But it's only through the life of feeling and working with what we're given through our authenticity that allows us to feel how all things are connected and to be part that that the universe is connected through us. We are one of those connections when we're authentic. Mm. I really appreciate that second part. And I, I have to tell you, after doing this show for over three years, I don't think anyone has really made that connection that we are that connection for the universe. That um, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And that divine nature in our full humanity. You, you write about that a lot. And I just want to... Um, Thank you for that response and, and move into this idea that it's, it's not new, but it's so critical to what we're talking about. And I have your book, The One Life We're Giving, in front of me. And I'm going to talk about that in detail for our listeners because I think they'll benefit greatly. But you talk a lot about this idea that we live through the emotions, through our feeling, through the heart, which also means through pain and fear, anxiety, other, other things. It's about that kind of that expanding into acceptance and constricting into fear and really understanding ourselves through all of that and not resisting. Let's just start with that conversation. Can you speak more about that? Sure, sure. And, you know, I don't think that I would have such a uh, an understanding or this kind of perspective if not for uh, my journey through cancer so many years ago and um, it really opened me to understand our relationship to suffering and wholeness so let's let's first start with with the notion that life and this, this is another furtherance of that all things are connected. Life, with all of its resources, presents itself in a unity, in a wholeness, W-H-O-L-E, wholeness. And it's, it, it can't be separated out. You know, we, as limited human beings... It, yeah, we, we increase our understanding. We can stop and talk about suffering. We can talk about fear. We can talk about pain. We can talk about beauty and love and generosity separately so we can understand them better. But that's not how they appear in the river of life. And water is a great example. Water, we learn, God, when we're probably in the seventh grade, we're, we learn that it's made out of hydrogen and oxygen. But I can't say to you, oh, could you, I'll just take a glass of the hydrogen, please. Because even if you could separate it, it would no longer be water and it would no longer be quenching. Mm. And it's the same with the water of life. 
Everything that is beautiful and difficult, that is clear and confusing, that is peaceful and fearful, they all come in this one water of life. And that's where the energy and life force and resources come from. And we are challenged to drink from the water of life, quench our need to be here, and hold each other up. I think one of the mysteries and paradoxes of, of life, innate to the very nature of life itself, is, is that um, we can't separate this out and that we, I, I think that life has been made just difficult enough that we need each other. And I think that's to ensure the journey of love. Mm. Just difficult enough that we need each other. That, even just that idea, just um, opens my heart. You know, it's like when we embrace the fear, we embrace the pain, we embrace our whole plethora of emotion just to say it's just difficult enough that we need each other brings us back to that connection you had another um quote i have i have to tell you i highlighted your book i love it and it's (laughs) the stories are amazing but you you talk about staying in relationship to everything and here's another example of of really that that we need each other because it's just difficult enough let's talk about that because i think that um, that's another foundational piece for us in really understanding how to embrace all these pieces is it's literally a relationship to everything. What did you mean by it when you said let's th- our need to stay in relationship to everything? Well, this is how, you know, the everything is connected, but that, those connections are not alive unless we are in relationship. And the way that we experience life, you know, uh, all the different traditions speak about it differently. But in the Jewish tradition, let's say, for example, they talk about God's presence as an indwelling presence. And it is not enlivened until we are in relationship with ourselves, each other, the world, nature. So it, we, we are and, and Plato said that we are born whole, again, W-H-O-L-E, but we need each other to be complete. So we, we arrive with everything we need, but it's dormant, like that wisdom that waits in our heart. It's dormant until we engage in life. And it's through that relationship that we come alive. So there's a metaphor that, and, and also as I write, you know, um, I feel like I retrieve what I write more than created out of nothing. And so when I, and I write about what I need to learn. So when I am in relationship with the unknown and with where this leads me, what arrives, the books are my teachers. Mm. And then I have to be with them to, to really cull their understanding. So an image early in the book, a metaphor that has been a great teacher to me that speaks to this is the image of a wooden match. Now, that we light a stove with or a fire. A wooden match, we all know that that flame, that light and warmth, is dormant in the tip of that match. It doesn't reveal itself until it strikes against a surface. Well, 
I think each of us, each soul in a body in time on earth is like such a match. And our gifts, our light and warmth are waiting. They're dormant within us until we strike our gifts against the needs of the world. And then our light and warmth come forth. And so just sitting still while it can clarify us only readies us for relationship in this messy and magnificent journey of being human. And so the life of feeling, you know, if you, if another way to also that, that really speaks to me deeply is that our heart is the greatest instrument and strongest muscle that we have. And it is the conduit between the, the between everything that's connected between the world of spirit and and the surface world, the daily world. And it also, and so how do we connect the world of spirit with what's before us? It's through our hands and the life of feeling. So it, yes, there are there are feelings that are difficult, there that are challenging. But in our fear of those, which is understandable, we put down the one tool we have, which is the life of feeling. That is what tells us how to be alive and gives us the depth and the strength and the resilience to do that. And I can give you a very personal example, which is in the, in the book. But, you know, my father, who passed away a few years ago at 93, in the last years of his life, last year and a half, he was, he had a slow avalanche to his death. And um, he was in rehab centers and hospitals. And, you know, and uh, he, my brother enabled him to stay and actually die at home, which was a great gift. But I was with him in that last year, um, one time. And there I was in a hospital room. He was 92. And um, he had had a couple of mild strokes. And, and there I was, as many, I'm sure many people can identify with this, there I was, his son, grown son, feeding him applesauce. And it was so uh, bittersweet and sad and beautiful and amazing and present and tender. And I was so, I got so committed to that moment of, it became this, this living moment where, this living prayer where I was feeding him a spoonful of applesauce at a time and I was, didn't want the spoon to hit his teeth and didn't want to disturb his breathing. And my whole heart, life became that moment. And so in that moment, because I stayed in relationship with what I was given, because I leaned into it and felt more than one thing at once. It was overwhelming and sad and beautiful. And all of a sudden, we fell, my father and I, into a moment of wonder. Who would have imagined that that moment in the hospital, feeding him toward the end of his life, would be a moment of wonder? And so, all of a sudden, eternity wasn't years stacked one on another forever. Eternity was this incredibly authentic moment that like when a raindrop hits a lake and it ripples out. My father and I in that moment, we were like this, the place where the drop hits the water before it ripples out. And so 
leaning in, feeling what I was given to feel to the bottom of my personality, another gift appeared, totally unexpected. I fell into the moment of every child who ever fed a dying parent. And I wasn't alone. I was in this felt moment of all children feeding their dying parents throughout history. And I would never have stumbled into that had I not, had I avoided the feeling and the moment that was at hand. And what, what this is starting to teach me is, I think when I can feel or you can feel what we're given to the bottom of our personality, that is how we trip into the well of all feeling. And that, where my feeling meets all feeling, where your feeling meets all feeling, is where resilience begins. Ooh, brilliant. Brilliant. I love how you weaved in this concept of resilience. I, I couldn't agree more. And it just... That just so moved me in this moment. I'm thinking about your story. It's beautiful. Thank you, by the way, of, of how tender and, and real that is. The thing that I really appreciate about your writings and even this story um, that our listeners can hear in your voice today is how you take the whole of our human experience and really keep it in its wholeness. It's like this intact feeling experience of the heart where it's not a polarization of of the feelings that we want to resist and the feelings that we totally accept and want more of there's that that split and that usually um you know causes a lot of suffering for many people as they're resisting certain feelings so i love this idea of really building resilience by moving into the depth of even those that we i want to say our culture may want to deny or resist or push out. Well, and we've been doing this a long time. You know, when we say our culture, like we, there is no they, we are they. We have all created this that we struggle with. And it, and this goes back thousands of years. And the word, it's interesting that the word suffer literally means to feel keenly. Well, we don't have to go very far to realize that to know beauty and joy and love you feel, you have to feel keenly as well. So this is another example of that. We have to embrace what we're given. And, and, and another thing that's been so interesting and instructive is, you know, we learn early on how to, with our mind, how to sort, prioritize, analyze, and choose. Now, this is a great skill to have when negotiating the world of circumstance. You know, I need to know which prescription is mine and which is poisonous and which is not. And I need to know whether to fill up the gas with the right kind of fuel or not. Um, and, and what, you know, will turn the stove on. Yeah. So I need to know how to do that. But that ability of mind to sort, prioritize and choose is not a code to live by, it's a skill. I have found quite the opposite, that through life, my experiences in life that give me meaning and 
joy and peace and fullness have asked me to do the opposite. They have asked my heart to let everything in, to absorb and integrate, not sort and prioritize. To absorb and integrate because then the things that matter, only the heart can absorb the paradoxes of life, which then release a logic of spirit. Hmm. Teach us how to do that. <laughs> Thinking about this, there's someone out there, there's there's someone listening. Let's just imagine, you know, you know this as you sat and, and fed your precious father the applesauce. There are going to be listeners that go, yeah, right. That that's only for certain people or strong people or or whatever that might be. How do we really well, welcome that and move in, lean in toward it? That's a wonderful question, and of course, I can speak to it, but I, you know, I don't have answers. I mean, my, what I share are examples, not instructions, to evoke the wisdom that every person carries in their heart, because this isn't just for some people. This lives in everyone who ever lived. Mm. This is as close to us and available as possible, and all my work tries to evoke the gifts and wisdom uh, that are in innately in people. So, and they try to speak to the question you ask. So, you know, it sounds very simple, and yet it's very uh, challenging. We are always asked to return to the moment, and we, we talk about that a lot in our our age. But we often make a cartoon of it. Um, we don't return to the moment to. Uh, avoid responsibility or context or to be, you know, uh, without having to think about the past or the future or others. By being in the moment, by, in, by being fully present, we become that conduit that connects everything and the resources of the world flow through us. And now we see differently. We feel differently. We make different decisions because we're living out of our heart. So it's three things that, that always help, and I feel we always are trying to return because no one stays this fully awake all the time. So we need a practice of return. Every person has to develop their own practice of return. For me, three things that help me return to being authentic is holding nothing back, being completely present. Fear, pain, worry, they say hello by pushing us away. Mm. But it's our job to lean back in after we feel that push away, is to lean back in to, to whatever is near us, whatever, because everything is, since everything is sacred, it doesn't matter what you give your full attention to, whatever it is will reconnect you to the vibrancy of life force. The other two things that are the oldest medicine we have are holding and listening. There has never been a time in my life, even when what is being held or listened to is difficult, that there's never been a time when I haven't held or been held that hasn't restored me in some way. 
And there has never been a time that I have listened or been listened to that hasn't restored me in some way. So we, we will, um, you know, medieval monks, when asked how they practice their faith, would say, and I love this, by falling down and getting up. And so we, we will be buffeted about by being engaged and in relationship with life. And we are challenged to get back up, to lean back in, hold nothing back and to hold whatever is near, to listen to whatever is around us. You know, the Hindu, uh, in the Hindu tradition, there is a term, Upa Guru. Now, Upa Guru means the teacher that is next to you at this moment. So when we listen and lean back in and are ready to hold and be held, we are very close to the teacher that is next to us at that moment that will help us reconnect with everything that's happening in life. Mm. I couldn't agree more. Good, good medicine. Thank you so much for that. You know, you brought up prior to that, uh, the story about the match and the gift. And that is one of my favorite, my all time new favorite quotes. In fact, I published that on social media this morning. I put that out and I love that quote. So um, I want to get into that. You're welcome. I'm going to, I want us to dig into that after the break, but I just want to remind our listeners, we're talking with Mark Nepo, number one New York Times bestselling author. Um, I have in front of me the book, The One Life We're Given. And by the way, Mark and listeners, congratulations, Mark. Oprah has selected you and your works as part of her Super Soul 100 of Awakened Leaders. So congratulations for that. Thank you. Listeners, if you haven't picked up one of Mark's works, um, do that. You will certainly agree with Oprah. So we're going to take a quick break. When we return, so much more with Mark Nepo. Meditation channel, nonstop meditation music, 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation channel. Wildfires burn millions of acres each year. And each year, wildland firefighters like Fire Chief James Hall battle to contain them. But they can't do it alone. A single ember that escapes from a wildfire can travel more than a mile. It can ignite and destroy your home, your community, or more. That single ember can be just as dangerous as the wildfire itself. But you can do something firefighters can't. You can act now to prepare your home and your community for wildfire. You can reduce the risk. Do your part. Go to fireadapted.org. Get fire adapted. 
Learn what you can do now to reduce wildfire damage later at fireadapted.org. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Learn more at fireadapted.org. Arr! We be under attack. Man the long nines. Prepare to be boarded. Arr! Flagship starboard bow. What? No, not by the enemy flagship. By garbage. Me beautiful ocean be full of it these days. It flows in from rivers and drain pipes. Many of folk don't know that when they throw trash on the ground, it eventually makes its way into the ocean. How can I enjoy Sail Me Bonnie Seas with all this trash in it? Why, there's soda pop bottles, plastic bags, even stinky leftover takeout. Fire at will, men! Lend us a hand by always recycling and disposing of your trash properly. If you don't, I'll make you walk me plank. <laughs> nah, just kidding. Seriously, though, learn more what you can do to keep the oceans healthy at keepoceansclean.org. Brought to you by the Keep Oceans Clean Alliance and the Ad Council. Today, you ate Greek yogurt. You took the train. You wondered why people spend so much time reading celebrity blogs. You read a celebrity blog. You planned a workout. You skipped it. You did all the things that one normally does the day before a devastating earthquake shakes the community to the ground. You never know when the day before is the day before. Prepare for tomorrow at ready.gov today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ed Council. Positive radio for a better life. Thank you for listening to Empower Radio. Now back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe just listen to it again and again. You can do that by visiting our website, thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find the archive link as well as a listing of all of our upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. And also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, it's, it's conversation meaningful what are you thinking suggesting guests we always love your feedback your comments and sign up for our email list so also i want to invite you to come play with me and other global co-creatives at goodofthewhole.com again go check it out goodofthewhole.com so we are here today with mark nepo and just talking about his latest book the one life we're giving finding the wisdom that waits in your heart he also has a new poetry book coming out just next week and you can find so much more about mark his schedule events where he's at where he's teaching what he's doing at marknepo.com and mark right before the break we were talking about resilience so i picked out one of my quotes from your book that i love that speaks of resilience but i'm reading it for the benefit of the listeners so they get a feel they I, I know they can feel this resonant tone in your voice with all this yumminess you're talking about pain and it sounds inviting because it's how you speak and i really appreciate you you are an eloquent writer and speaker so here's a quote since living is breathtaking and hard we need the stories of our own transformation to become the personal myths that guide us, that help us remember who we are and how we're joined to life. Every day, life asks us to accept that we are radiant and broken. And time asks us 
to uncover what it means to love the world. And love asks us to gather the gifts that come from keeping the window of our heart open, while integrity asks us to continually widen our circle of compassion. No matter what we face, we are asked to stay tender and resilient so we don't harden to life. I love that, Mark. And I, I read that one. You talked Thank about you. building the resilience. And it's so true. And I I also picked it out because within it talks about even one of your small stories. So this book, I want to share with our listeners, The One Life We're Given, is really a beautiful guidebook for us. Like I mentioned in the intro, it's written in really small, little, it's almost like a devotion book. If someone um, is used to devotion books or a 365 day of the year little meditation book, it's, but it's so much more than that. So Mark takes these beautiful topics, stories, um, just really tender moments and shares it. And then he invites you as the listener or the reader to go deeper into that, to, to, to journal about something that comes from those stories, to, to share with a partner what you might have thought about reading that. And the one that's in here is, is called Radiant and Broken. And I love that story. Do you want to tell the listeners more? What, what does Radiant and Broken mean? Well, Radiant and, and Broken is that, you know, imagine, um, you know, I think of a laurel leaf. If you've ever uh, seen, uh, you know, laurel leaves, you can snap them and this beautiful fragrance comes out and just, it's just captivating. And we, just like this sense of the match with the light being dormant, we have so much that we're born with that doesn't reveal itself until we are in contact with the world. And so when we, and, and it's a very humbling, fine line between being broken and being broken open. But we are all, each of us, we, we can't go through life without being broken open. And when we do, while it's painful, and while the waters of life come through us as tears, those tears actually water the break and we grow. But we release, whenever, wherever we're broken, we release a light and a shimmer and a radiance that we're carrying along with us. Great love also releases that. Great care also releases that. So it's not to deify pain or suffering. It's more to describe the spiritual physics that we're all subject to, that we all carry this unnameable, ineffable um, radiance within us. And it will come out in the same way that the sun shines in all directions without preference. That's what it means to be the sun. It doesn't say, well, I'm just going to shine on the roses today. The heart is our inner sun. And it shines spirit in, and it radiates in all directions without preference. Now, we in our days make many choices and we do have preferences because we're human. But the light never stops shining. 
And this is very important. I know I, I, I know all these things because I have violated them so many times in my life. <laughs> you know? So it's very interesting. I'll give you another simple example from a party. You know, I was at a party in the last year, and we've all been in these situations where we're with people, we're just getting to know them, and all of a sudden one person in the group is suddenly either very caustic or hurtful or sarcastic, or, uh, and we go, whoa, what's going on there? And so, um, you know, I naturally, like other people, I, I backed up. I backed up. You know, and I thought I was protecting myself by removing myself from the range of this hurtfulness. And what I realized, and I've probably done it my whole life, is what I was really doing is I was snuffing my light. I thought I was taking myself and backing up, but I, in order to protect myself, I started to vanish. And that light is more important than anything that can be said to us or done to us. So, of course, on the surface world, uh, in the surface world, I need to discern who is trustworthy, who is not, where can I share, where can I not, you know, what is dangerous, what is safe. But that's different than vanishing or snuffing the inner sun that is my heart. That must never go out. And I must never collude in snuffing my own light. That's different than navigating the surface world. Wow. So I just want to follow up with that example because it's really poignant. In So let's just say in that situation, the surface world tells you, yes, don't trust this person. And yes, you don't want to share with this person. So what does Mark Nepo do in take two when he doesn't snuff his light? What does it look like to shine that light without compromising that trust? The first thing is that at the simplest level, it may outwardly not look any different to you if you were standing in that circle. But it may be completely different to me. Mm. So this is, do I assume my full stature? Not, you know, we spend a lot of time in our lives inflating ourselves or deflating ourselves. Mm. And our job is simply to be exactly who we are and not diminish or inflate. So the first thing is to stand there, to feel the hurt of the sarcasm or the cutting and not to vanish, but to stay and be who I am. Now, the second choice, the second level of being who I am, which is our challenge is to be who we are everywhere, is I have the opportunity not to hide what was done, to, what that felt like to be in this other person's presence. And this is where inner courage comes in, is we always have the option to say, that hurt. Why are you talking to us this way? You know, we tend out of, we're taught socially to pretend as if nothing has happened. When often when we report honestly, again, not saying you were mean, but saying this is what it felt like to be with you just now. This wasn't fun. I don't know that I want to continue this. 
And now that gives the other person, because I believe most people don't realize when they're being hurtful. Most of us inadvertently hurt each other. And so that gives the other person an option to say, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I thought I was being funny. But once in a while, there is there are people who out of their own pain realize they're being hurtful and are deliberately being hurtful. And to me, cruelty is when you're deliberately hurting not when you inadvertently hurt. Now that gives us information about, okay, now I know who this person is. Now I need to, not, to stand stronger. And the, the greatest thing that we do, that we can do in being who we are everywhere, the only thing we really have control over is our presence and our absence. You know, it's like if someone says to me, uh, get to the point, I stop talking. I stop talking because the things that matter take time. Mm. And that tells me that that person isn't capable, willing, or able at that moment to be in time together. And therefore, I will remove myself. I will not vanish, but I will take myself elsewhere and continue to shine and continue to shine so you know the thing is even when we're hurt we shine even when we hurt we shine of course we're preoccupied with the hurt but then here's a good example of this you know i'm walking along um on a hike and you know, we've all done this, and it's a gorgeous day, and it's a magnificent view. And I, I'm not looking where I'm going, and I stub my toe on a boulder. I mean, you know when you've stubbed it when you think you might have broken mm. your toe? We all know that. Yes. And in that moment, forget the miracle of life and the magnificent view and the beauty and the vastness. In that moment, all of life is the pain in that toe, which is actually registering throughout our entire body. That's what I meant earlier, how pain and fear and worry introduce themselves. That's how they say hello. They're all-encompassing. But And so I sit down, I take my shoe off, and after about 10 minutes, it's not all-encompassing anymore. It's throbbing. And I look around and I go, oh, the view didn't go anywhere. The sun didn't stop shining. The miracle of life didn't go anywhere. The, the resonance and the light, the radiance within me didn't go anywhere. Huh. Now I have a choice. And this is what we each wake with every day. I have a choice. I can't ignore the pain in my toe, but I don't want to elevate it and make it everything again. And I can't ignore the miracle and the radiance and the light and the vastness. In fact, not because they're beautiful, but because it is the radiance and the vastness and the light that is healing. So I need to let it in so it right-sizes the pain in my toe. And now all we have to do is substitute pain in my toe for a pain in my mind or a pain in my heart or a loss, or a grief, 
So even when we're overcome with, this is one of the paradoxes that is teaching me uh, right now. I'm 65 and, and still learning. And, and one of the teachers right now is I'm trying to understand this paradox that the things that matter most are unbreakable. The heart is unbreakable. The radiance we carry inside is unbreakable. Our spirit is unbreakable. Our capacity to love is unbreakable. But the heart and the spirit, when it's working at its best, when it's the most attuned instrument you could imagine, we are incredibly sensitive and we experience things that feel unbearable. Actually, when we are feeling that sensitively, it's evidence that the heart is doing its job. And underneath that, we get to the foundation and the core that is unbreakable. And it's the, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, it's the life of feeling that allows us to bridge what feels unbearable with what is unbreakable. Oh, see, your teaching is so coherent. I love that. And I, your ability to tell stories and use real life to go deeper and, and go deeper into using your own words, what really matters. So thank you for that. And even just the reference that that which we don't want to let out is that which heals what we're seeking. So beautiful. And, you know, I, so I want to give us an opportunity to go back to that quote that you mentioned in the first half of the show, because we talk a lot on the show about how we give ourselves to the, be in service of the greater good. You know, what, what's the service to the greater good of the whole? And you mentioned the match quote. I'm going to read it again. Like a match, our light is revealed as our gift strikes against the needs of the world. Beautiful, exquisite, like I mentioned, my new favorite quote that I posted <laughs> on social media today. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. Um, you know, we have about 10 minutes left in our show. For our listeners who are out there going, okay, I have a gift and they're it will match the needs of the world. How do we come into our authentic being and really know who we are and what those gifts are to be in service of something greater than ourselves? Well, the word, the word trust literally means follow your heart. And so it's following our heart and following our aliveness, whatever that might be. And it might be today, it might be being drawn to a certain tree in the light. And you say, well, gee, how's that bring my gift to the world? Well, now I say we need patience because one, one clue isn't, it may have it, the answer in it, but it may be leading to a whole series of clues that will lead us to our gift and our place in the world. And so often we stop it before we even get on the path. So then, you know, that tree in the light might lead us, oh, there's somebody else who's drawn to the tree in the light, and now we meet someone. 
And, and then we have a conversation and they in time might introduce us to someone else who is supposed to be our teacher. And through that teacher, we start to discover and see who we are and see our gift and start to wind up engaging in the world. So we never know until we follow our heart wherever aliveness leads us and we start to see where that path unfolds. I think also, which is so important, is the word authentic means, it comes from the Greek, authentes, and it means the mark of the hands. And the hands literally grow out of the heart. When the heart is first in the womb, literally the arms start to grow directly out of the heart and they're known at that point as arm buds. So the way to ignite or that match that is our gift in the world always involves letting what is in our heart move through our hands and what comes from the world to our hands reach our heart and be in that conversation, be devoted to that conversation. And then we might wind up where Mother Teresa said that courage was doing small things with love, small things with love. So I think that, you know, we are asked continually to, to learn through embodiment, to learn through, through our touch, through our hands-on work in, in the world. Mm. I just want to pause and really allow, um, there's several things in what you responded to, but one of the pieces that I think is important and unique to your voice right now is that reciprocity of moving from the heart out to the hands, which is our gift, but also receiving from the hands into the heart. So there's this two-way communication that I think is really important to acknowledge here. Well, and, it's, and let me share, and I know I wanted to share, so let me share one small poem and, and maybe read another uh, that speak to this. And Perfect. That come from the way under the way, the new book. So what we're talking about, and here's a small poem that's in this book, which goes, the mystery is that whoever shows up when we dare to give has exactly what we need hidden in their trouble. Oh. So we, we don't just give out of altruism. I, one of the things that I feel that is deeply missed in our culture that we have created is the people who suffer have a wisdom the rest of us need. And we don't just help people who suffer, we need to ask people we see suffering, what is it you see now from where you are and what you've been through that we can learn from? Tell us, guide us, teach us. Mm, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. You have another poem? Yeah, this is called To Be and Belong. Let go your want for greatness and feel the tool that's in your hand. Let go your fear of emptiness and receive the wave still reaching from the beginning. It only wants to enliven you the way water refreshes every hall. So let the web of things entangle you 
Only stars are free and they are so lonely. Curse what you will, but give thanks that everything alive wants something from you. Wow. Thank you. This comes from your new book coming out in just a short week. And listeners, if you're, oh, I'm, I'm like intoxicated right now. I can't even talk. <laughs> the book is called The Way Under the Way, The Place of True Meeting. You talk about this aliveness. And we have, we have just like three or four minutes left here, Mark. But I really... I feel called to ask you to deepen into this aliveness because you're talking about our gift is following that aliveness and that poetry talked about really it, it puts us into perspective of all of creation and seeing that aliveness within everything. But I think that it speaks really to so much more. Can you just um, deepen into that aliveness just for a moment? Yeah. So, <sighs> So joy, I would offer, is the sensation of oneness moving through our entire being, through great love or great suffering, or when we move at the pace of what is real. And, you know, we carry in us, our soul, I would say, is the portion of universal, unnameable spirit that fills everything. And when that piece of our spirit connects, vibrates with the well from which it comes, that's, we feel completely alive. We feel completely alive. If we love deeply enough, we become love. If we seek truth enough, we become truth. And if we work to stay awake enough, we become wakefulness. And those moments which don't last because we're human can inform all of our days. All of our days. That's why one moment of, of complete compassion, complete love, or even complete suffering that we give ourselves to move through, not drown in, can transform us mm. to be more deeply connected than we have ever been up to that point. Beautiful. Mark, you are good medicine for the soul. <laughs> you are good medicine. Thank you for your words. Thank you for joining us today. I want to remind the listeners that this new book coming out, um, will be out just next week. Both of these books are available on Amazon and you have a, an event in New York City, November 11th, after the publication. You're going to do a reading, I think? Yes, at the New York Open Center in New York City. So um, that it, details are on my website, but uh, if anyone's nearby, I would love to share that evening. Oh, you know what? My daughter just shared with me the Open Center. She lives in New York City and she was showing me their website and it's a beautiful gathering space. I encourage you all, if you're in that area, to go check out Mark. So again, thank you. Thank you. It's my honor to just have you here and share your beautiful words and your beautiful essence with all of our listeners. No, well, thank you. And thank you for letting me be a part of your good work. Oh, thank you. And remember, um, 
listeners, I just want to share with you, friends, you can go find out so much more on marknepo.com. So here we are at the end of a beautiful journey, a beautiful show. And I just want to remind you together, we create connections for the greater good of the whole. So until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.